Welcome to Driven in Her Purpose, where you can reignite your faith, pursue your passion, and live with intention. Hi there, I am Rosie, and I am your sister in Christ. You know, I know we all have moments, times, and even seasons in our lives where we struggle with our faith, where our passion for Christ just isn't what it used to be. Sister, you are in the right place, and you are in a safe space, because you're safe with God and in the arms of Jesus. My mission is to help you to get back that relationship with God the way it used to be, or even better, to live out that purpose, that purpose that He set out just for you, and to live with intention just like Jesus did. In this podcast, you will get encouragement for your heart through God's Word and strategies that will help you identify the lies from the truth. Welcome home, sister. Welcome back to another episode of Driven and Her Purpose. I am Rosie, and I'm so, so happy you can join me today. Well, ladies, I have a super special episode here for you in this series that we recently started called Lies Versus Truth, where we will be debunking lie number two today. All right, you ready for this? This is lie number two. Marriage is better than singlehood. Let me repeat that. This is the lie. Marriage is better than singlehood. And you might be like, what are you talking about? You're married. Aren't you happily married? Of course I am. But I don't believe this lie. And I'll tell you, uh, I have a big story of my own. But I will not. This is not. This show is not about highlighting me. This show is actually highlighting my amazing husband here. He is a special guest. Um, God has been using him in great ways. And most recently this summer where he published a book that is just uh, just will blow your mind. Um, But he's here as my very first guest on this season three. I haven't had a guest in a while. So season three, he's my first guest. I wanted him to be the first guest. So (laughs) I'm very happy he's here. So let me start by introducing you to Fernando. Welcome to the show, baby. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad and excited to be here. Yes, and you know, this is your second time being here, right? I know last time we had a, a um, you, we both did a lesson on a, on for Father's Day, correct? Mm-hmm. I be- yeah. believe it was three characteristics, fatherly characteristics of God, right? That's right. That's One right. of the earlier episodes. So that was fun. And um, that was fun to do. But um, this is a little different, more like an interview. <laughs> so not really a lesson per se. Um, but hopefully this will encourage you. So um, Fernando, I want to call him baby, but let me just call him Fernando to be more <laughs> professional. Um, Fernando, uh, I wanted to ask you, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're studying uh, right now. You're in school. Tell us a little bit about that and why why you're studying what you're studying right now and what your hopes are. Yeah, absolutely. So right now I am working on my Master's of Divinity over at Gordon-Conwell. Um, it has been a long-standing dream of mine to uh, pursue a doctorate. Um, so that's my hope is to, to go for the PhD, um, something related to theology and, and to uh, become a teacher in the church uh, and also God willing to, to work as a professor um, in teaching at a seminary myself. So that's kind of the long-term dream. Um, a little bit additionally about myself, I was converted as a teenager um, and, and kind of have gotten the full gamut of Christian experiences from teen through a a sort of campus ministry type setting and into the singles. And it really was in my singlehood experience that I feel like God planted in my heart a vision for ministry and a vision for how I could serve his kingdom. Um, And so I I led the singles ministry up in the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ in Massachusetts. Um, I did that for a few years and and, uh, oversaw the uh, singles here with you. Uh, yeah. in Miami um, uh-huh. for a couple of years when we were married. 
Um, so the, the singles ministry, the, 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 the ministry towards unmarried uh, Christians is a ministry that really holds a dear place in my heart. And me too. I love the singles ministry. So this is amazing. So I know that you recently published a book back in uh, July, just a few months ago, actually, from the time of this recording. So um, the book is called Singles Ministry Can Change the World. Now, I know this book encompasses uh, quite a few things, but um, something very important that I know that is highlighted in there is the awesomeness of singlehood. And that's why we will we are talking about this particular lie um, that we want to debunk today. And I know your book helps us do that. So um, first of all, tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book. Um, what are some needs and concerns you had regarding single Christian singles and singles ministries? Yeah, so it's funny because you know I wrote this book as a married man. Um, my, my brother was uh, giving me a hard time. He was saying, how does your wife feel about you writing a book about the importance of being single? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I never thought of it that way, but but it is what I did as a married man. Um, but really what I saw throughout the years as a single man uh, leading a singles ministry, um, I saw two things. I saw that scripture really spoke of singlehood as a unique opportunity to do things for God that was an opportunity like no other, an opportunity that, that was unique to that stage of life. Um, and so on the one hand, I see scripture sort of elevating this place of life, and that's in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35. You see that. Um, but culturally speaking, in a lot of the church groups that I was around or a part of, uh, it didn't seem to be what we were building. It seemed to be that a lot of singles viewed themselves as being sort of in a in a holding cell, like almost like a prison, mm -hmm. that singlehood was this, um, you know, like purgatory, like you, you have to stay here until God finds you with enough merit to give you a spouse and then you'll be sprung free from here and then your life can begin. And so I would see a lot of singles sort of bury their lives, um, just focus on really themselves and, and not really focused on God or what they can do for his kingdom. They were just focused on self and just waiting. And it was a huge waste, I felt like. But also, not only that, I felt like the church, even though it, it you know, a lot of churches, even though they don't preach this from the pulpit per se, a lot of the messages that singles receive from their churches is get married. And that seems to be the only vision that gets communicated. It's not, hey, you can be a missionary, you can be an evangelist, you can go and, and proclaim the gospel around the world, you can help alleviate poverty, you can be those who serve, who, those who are the most generous amongst us, as it has been throughout history. Instead of that sort of being the vision, it's been hey, when are you getting married? And so I, I've seen these sort of things uh, contrasting and, and, and I realized that, you know, we really got to speak to what's true here. We've built a culture that is focused on, on, let's say, getting single people married and we're not communicating what I believe to be a, a God-inspired and a biblically-based um, inspiration for that single stage of life. Yeah, I totally agree with you because I've, I've, you know, kind of heard the same kind of messages, not necessarily um, preached from the pulpit saying, oh, you know, singles uh, have to get married. No, not necessarily, but um, just in subtle things. You know, I remember for me personally, I would hear, oh, you know, so uh, are you date? Are you, do you have anybody you like? Or um, why aren't you married yet? Or <laughs> things like that. I'm sure you've heard that too, right, mm -hmm, baby? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're such a great person. Why aren't you married yet? And I'm like, 
I'm thinking, why would I need to be married because I'm a great person? Mm-hmm. And, and just, <laughs> right. And just to interject, I mean, what what that can sort of communicate is that um, it's almost like this. Not only is should this be your goal, but if that's not what you're pursuing, that it's almost like it's is something wrong. Like there's something wrong if if you're you're not uh, either that you're not pursuing it or, or that it's not really happening in your life. Like you're too spiritual to be single. Mm. That's kind of what can be conveyed, and it's it's like yeah, I don't think that that's what's true. I don't think that's what God is really communicating here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, not to not to speak at all any badly about marriage. You know, just because this um, the lie is that marriage is better uh, than singles. I I would say that in and they both have their beauties in them. You know, mm-hmm. and so just because we're saying marriage is better than singlehood is a lie. That's more like listen, you're basically elevating marriage right over singlehood, where neither of them should be elevated. They're both special in their own way, and so at but. But at the same time, you know, being single allows you to do so much more. You know, I know when we got married, um, I remember um, I'll, I'll say this uh, and Fernando, you can um, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think when when we got married, the, initially you thought or even right before and during the first few months, you thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to be married. So that means, you know, I'll have a little less time to do things like how I used to do them, be as involved and and do all the, you know, whatever percent of my time, uh, uh, just a, a smaller percent of my time will be you know, uh, because, you know, I got to dedicate time to my wife. But and in fact, you you saw that it's actually not exactly like that. Now we're a team. This isn't just, you know, you do what you want and say, hey, I'm going to go do this. OK, like it or not. And it's <laughs> right. like, no, not that you have to ask permission, per se, but it's more like, hey, you know, now you got to communicate it and mm-hmm. we got to say, hey, is this OK? Like, let's let's figure this out. Right. And and a lot of things we do together, some things we don't, but that's OK as long as we communicate. But the idea is that now you're it becomes a little more complex. Yeah. And then on top of that, add if you have children. That's a whole other story, right? Because now we we had already uh, two sons, um, my my sons, his stepsons, but then we have a little girl now. So when we became parents and he became a biological dad, oh my goodness, like even less time for other things, right? So we had to now figure stuff out. So in other words, it becomes some more complex when you get married. And so you can't really do what you used to do at first, you know, when you were in the singles, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, isn't that true? Yeah. And, and to... You know, kind of recap what you're saying. I, I agree fully. I think there is this propensity towards elevating either marriage or singlehood above the other. Which one is better? And truly, they're they're different stages of life, and both of them have their opportunities and their 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 beautiful aspects and their challenging aspects to them. Ephesians five elevates marriage in a very beautiful way, but it also it also describes marriage as this representation, this cosmic representation of Christ's love for the church and the church's respect for Christ that we're supposed to be emulating as a married couple. Like it's a very high calling. And so it's true that that marriage has its its own beauty and it, its own place. And, and there's certainly a, a way to approach it spiritually and faithfully and, and a way to approach marriage unfaithfully and, and unspiritually. Um, so there's opportunity in, in all stages of life to glorify God. The main thing is that they're different. They're simply different. And you said it well. Um, you know, before getting married, uh, I used to preach First Corinthians 7 as a single man. And I'm like, you know, once I get married, I'm not going to be able to do as much. And I thought, well, I'll probably be able to do half as much. Mm-hmm. And half seemed mm-hmm. like, you know, 
pretty reasonable. Like, you know, 50% is, is a pretty dramatic decrease in activity. But after we got married, it was like, well, the total amount of ministry activity, let's say out outside of the home ministry activity I could do was maybe a fifth of what I could do before because mm-hmm. I used to be able to just up and run and all that. And the thing is, and, you know, you can hear that and be like, man, you know, this guy wanted to get out of the house or get away. And it's, it's not really like that. Mm-hmm. What really happened was that now my ministry was my family. Yeah. So the outside ministry had to take a back seat to the ministry of the home. And so building that relationship with with you was more important and building the relationship with the boys was more important. And that became my ministry. Mm -hmm. So the ministry focus changes. When I was a single man, I could be outward focused. I could be out in the community. I could be running around like crazy at all hours of the night, doing whatever I felt compelled by God to do. And now that that we got married, God was saying, no, your your ministry, your primary focus is what you have in the home. Absolutely, 100%. Well, my next question is, speaking of this book, um, what are some highlights of the book that you can share with us regarding how it's addressed to singles and how it's also addressed to church ministry leaders? Yeah, thank you. I I um, really am speaking to, to two distinct audiences uh, within the book. <clears throat> and you know, for my single brothers and sisters, what I'm really communicating there is, look, God is calling you to a place of life, to a vision of singlehood where you can be doing incredible things for God. He's calling you into the adventure. He's saying, use this phase of your life to do the most for God. This is the time to be the missionary. This is the time to go and evangelize. If if there's a a neighborhood that doesn't have a a Bible talk or or a small group that's that's really ministering within there, go and create it yourself. Be the catalyst uh, for change. Be the ones who go into the community and meet needs, who serve the poor. Who, who go out there and, and out of your generosity, really alleviate the effects of poverty in this world and truly be those who, who spread the gospel. It's an opportunity like no other to do these things. And I, I tell the singles in the book that this is an opportunity that lasts as long as you're single. When you do get married, that opportunity closes. And it's not to say that married people can't do great things for God, but it is different. We've, we've kind of highlighted how that's different. Yeah. And so don't waste this opportunity. Don't sit around saying, because I'm not married, I can't do anything great. Or until I'm married, then my, my life will start. Those are lies. Yeah. And say, I, I really believe this. I think Satan knows how powerful a singles ministry can be yes. that is focused and oriented on, on God mm-hmm. and the gospel message. It can be so incredibly powerful. And historically, that's been the case. You've seen single people, even in the, New, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, you see described a lot of these people who are running around, the Pauls of the world, the Timothys, you know, the Barnabas. These were people who were just running around the Mediterranean world establishing the gospel. And these were people who are never described as having a spouse. Paul was famously unmarried. And so we, we have to reclaim this identity for our singles. We need to reclaim that vision for our singles. And that's what the book talks about. Now for church leaders, what I'm really trying to address with them is, look, we have to rethink how we invest in singles ministries. As I've talked to a lot of church leaders and I will say this, and, and this is to, you know, down to a single one. Every single church leader I've talked to has been unanimous in their support of singles ministry. Yeah. Not a single one has said, you know, I don't feel like this is a good 
place to invest uh, resources into. But what I do hear a lot is basically the issue of money. That we can't hire staff. Um, you know, we're, we're pressed for cash. We, we need someone to own this. We're stretched thin. And that's where, where I see an opportunity both for singles to be those to, to own their own ministry, to take ownership of it and to be the catalyst, who to be the ones who, who lead that, but also for church leaders to support in the ways they can. Maybe it doesn't mean that you're hiring a full-time minister, but maybe you can provide an internship to one of these single brothers and sisters who are leading that ministry for you right now. You know, it's not going to be their full-time job. They're going to have to have their side job, but maybe you can provide uh, a little bit of an internship for them to not only receive uh, some resources for the work they're doing, but also to receive the training and, and, and that influence um, uh, and discipleship uh, that they need to grow in their leadership. Maybe it's just providing resources like a space to meet, or maybe it's providing resources like, hey, well, we can, we can um, put some budget towards having food at your events or helping you guys do some, some great things to reach out to the community or serve in the community. We can put money towards these things. So to really rethink how we invest in singles ministry, but it's also called to say that singles ministry can be more than perhaps we've seen. And if we can reiterate this vision for them, I truly believe that they can become the powerhouse. They can be the mountain movers of our churches and to do things that, that we would remark as miracles in, as they execute their faith in God in the mission field. Absolutely. And from what I understand, I know that there's um, obviously we have a lot of churches out there, both in our own congregations, but also other congregations and denominations out there of Christianity. And um, I've met people, um, good friends of mine, not necessarily in our church, who are like, oh, we don't even have a singles ministry. Mm -hmm. So speak to that those people there, the, the maybe the leadership there um, to churches that may not even have a ministry. What would you advise? Sure. And yeah, it, it is a good point. As, as I kind of done my research, I realized that the dynamics we were seeing in our own um, community of churches is actually quite common amongst churches, let's say evangelical churches in, in the West. Uh, you see these sort of dynamics about singlehood and this propensity towards the promotion of marriage. And I would really encourage groups who, who perhaps haven't organized a formal singles ministry um, to think about what singlehood has brought for the church throughout history, what it has been throughout history, because these are the groups of people who can use things like their time and their resources, their experience, uh, even their, their work connections, who can do uh, with all those things, use those assets, and I call them in the book powers and crowns. Like We all have these powers, these authorities, these crowns that we wear, these, these abilities, these gifts, these networks that we navigate in. The power we have together, all ministries can work together. You know, married ministry, if your church has a married ministry, uh, campus ministry. Um, I know in our churches we have strong campus ministries and uh, youth and family ministries, which addresses our kids and our teenagers um, and, of course, involves the parents a lot. And so these ministries are all very important. And, and I think, you know, I don't know that they had necessarily, quote unquote, ministries back in the first century mm -hmm. per se i think you know when you had house churches you all kind of met together and you were a family and and so maybe not you know do you have to have to have a specific ministry i mean i don't think in the first century church they necessarily had one but the idea is that you address the needs right as leaders to of all the people so ministries i think have been a great way to address those needs but also i think we also have to be mindful not to uh, be divided mm -hmm. and 
on, not to say, well, my ministry, that ministry. No, no, no. We're all one church. Uh, even in our right. churches that have great ministries, um, we we really, um, I think, always need to strive for more unity, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think what can happen is uh, when we organize ourselves in these different ministries, I think it's kind of the natural inclination uh, to start comparing, right? That's kind of a, a, the thing we do as humans is we say, hey, wait a second, this group is receiving a lot more investment than my group is. Mm-hmm. And, and it can build some bitterness. And what I, what I want to certainly call out is, yeah, you're absolutely right. There weren't these sort of ministry designations in the first century. It was more of a multi-generational uh, church setting, home church setting. Um, and I think that there is a place to explore these forms of, of family group uh, dynamics to, to have that multi-generational facet to our churches. But what I would say is even though there weren't perhaps like a campus and a singles or a married distinct ministries, what we do have represented in scripture are specific teachings directed to these groups of people. Yeah. And so when I talk about ministry or singles ministry, what I'm talking to is, yes, you could you could think of it as an organized group that is called a singles ministry, but it can also be the ministry to single people. Mm. And what I mean with that is, as scripture calls single people to be a certain way and to, and to honor God in, in a certain way, we have to promote that. That's our ministry to single people, it's to promote that vision for them and to allow them to, to grow in their Christianity by executing the, the passages and the commandments that God is encouraging them to do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So um, as we uh, start wrapping up a little bit on the show here, I want to ask you, what's some feedback you've gotten so far from this book? I know you've you've talked to some people that have already read the book. Curious, what's some feedback you've gotten? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Um, when I was writing the book, one of my main concerns was that I didn't want it to sound negative so that if a church leader is reading this, they felt attacked or accused or, or like it, it, was, it was being... Um, just negative about decisions that people on the leadership level make. And I, and I have to be very clear, like I, I respect the leadership uh, of churches. Shepherds of churches have a heavy burden. And my main focus was I want to I wanna be those who lift up their arms. I want to be those who help, who, who lend a hand, not just say, hey, here's a problem, you need to fix this, but to provide a solution. That's why I wrote to both singles and church leaders alike to say, singles, do that work you know, own that work and leaders shepherd that group to help them to embrace that vision. And the great thing about it is, you know, before I I published it, um, I had a a couple evangelists here in Miami read the book and I wanted their feedback. And both of them were were really encouraged by the book. They felt really uplifted by the book and, and, and just felt like, yes, they felt challenged, but they were largely positive and just saying that, wow, this was, you know, a call to action. It was it was really encouraging. And and to the singles who have read it, they've gotten back to me and, and they just say, hey, this is this is a wake up call. This is truly a, a call to action. I, I, I see it. I see these cultural issues that you're talking about. I see how we can do more, how we can be more. I see how I see the ways that I've perhaps not lived these scriptures out. And so that's been one of the encouraging things, as I'll say, both church leaders and singles themselves who have read the book have been incredibly encouraged uh, and really positive about uh, just how they want to embody the principles that are outlined in the book. And I will add real quick that I know that you do have a chapter where you have uh, three different 
people, I believe, right, saying their stories. Well, four, I think, mm-hmm. you two, but um, myself included mm-hmm. <laughs> as a single mom for 10 years. So that those different perspectives are very helpful. So definitely it's a great book, not just because he's my husband, but <laughs> it really is a good book. So uh, where can people find this book to purchase and how can they connect with you? Yeah, so it is on ipibooks.com. IPI Books. They are a great publication. Um, They have a number of great resources and materials. And of course, my book is on there. It's called Singles Ministry Can Change the World by Fernando Alejandro. That's me. Um, And so it can be found on ipibooks.com. And uh, you can reach out to me. I have an email. It's ofpowersandcrowns at gmail.com. And so any, any, any feedback, any um, communication you want to have, you can you can send me an email. I'm, I check that regularly, and I'm always encouraged to hear feedback and, and to reach out to or, or hear people reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Fernando or baby or Fernando, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more professional way. Um, thank you so much for being on this show. I'm so glad that you were my first guest and uh, for season three anyway, <laughs> for this new season. Thank you so much for that. Um, ladies, I pray you're encouraged and, and brothers in Christ, uh, if you're listening as well, I pray you're encouraged by by what we have to share with you, especially Fernando. And if it interests you, um, please go ahead and purchase the book. And uh, I hope that that encourages you as well. We'd we'd love some feedback i believe your book is also on amazon right so people can leave a review is that correct yes that is true it is on amazon.com as well as ipibooks.com yeah so if you love it make sure you leave that review where you can leave a review on both places as well so all right ladies thank you so much for uh, joining us and i will see you in the next one wait 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 one last thing that i want to interject because while i have this moment i need to shoot my shot would you like to get dinner with me later Sure. <laughs> that brother is how you do it. <laughs> Did not expect that one. <laughs> well, let me just Thanks, say babe. that I truly enjoyed that interview. My very first interview guest in season three with my husband, Fernando. That was a lot of fun to do. I was like, I was telling him afterwards, like, we have a pretty good dynamic on this podcast, baby. You should come on more often. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we do. That was actually kind of cool. But ladies, you know, I really I really hope that it uh, truly from my heart that it encouraged you. If you're a single lady, you're listening, I pray you're encouraged. If you're a brother as well, men are, of course, are welcome to listen to the show as well. But, you know, ladies, my special place in my heart is for you, my sisters in Christ, always, always first, um, because I know that we connect in a special way, in a way that is unique and one of a kind. And so I'm so grateful that you uh, can come onto the show and listen. And if you are married and you're listening, I pray encourage you to actually be very active with the singles as far as like just inviting, inviting them into your home, mentoring them, the older sisters who or who have been married for a while, you know, take in the single sisters, encourage the single sisters, um, you know, don't focus the conversation on when you're going to get married. <laughs> More of just focus it on what are you doing for God? How's your relationship with God, right? That That's really what this is all about. Because at the end of the day, whether you're married or single, that is what our mission is, is to love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, number one commandment. And so single or married, you know that whichever stage of life you're in or whichever situation you're in right now, know that that is your number one priority. And even in marriage, we can do great things for God. Of course, when you're single, you can do so much more. I know because even as a single mom, I even as a single mom, I was able to do more because I was able to drive my own decisions and I didn't have to ask or or communicate necessarily or figure out some kind of compromise or something like that with a spouse. 
So even as a single mom, if you were like me, um, like I lived for 10 years as a single mom, you also have more flexibility. And of course, if you have younger kids, it's always a little more challenging. I will say that, um, of course, you know, and you have to um, just really pray and, and ask God for strength and, and to guide you on your priorities. But um, really, you know, I, I just love, I love, I love that we can all live for Christ, whether we're single or married. Um, but again, if you're a single woman, I pray that you were super encouraged and I will see you in the next one.